Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Drive for Show DFS for Doe here on Roto Grinders. We've got another week of golf action here for the uh, the PGA Tour, another week of DFS golf, and uh, we'll be here to talk about it. So we've got two events this week. Uh, the Puerto Rico Open is the alternate event taking place, uh, but uh, we've got the Arnold Palmer Invitational as the main event. That's the uh, the big DFS event that we will be focusing on. So. Uh, Arnold Palmer Invitational, we'll break it down for you here over the next 45 to 50 minutes or so. I am Justin Van Zuden, a.k.a. STL Cardinals 84. Uh, I've got uh, Derek Farnsworth, Mr. Notorious, uh, alongside me, and I, I have to give Noto some credit. He uh, he mentioned Straka on the show last week as a, a sleeper play. So uh, well done on uh, Straka there, Noto, but I uh, have to say that, uh, that I – uh, I one up to you with the Gary Woodland over a Duffner as the uh, the uh, kind of under the radar play, although Woodland was more expensive. But I was happy to see Woodland get that top five as well. So uh, a couple a uh, couple strong under the radar picks there from us last week. I was going to say if we went with our two gut picks of uh, Woodland <laughs> and Straka, we'd be looking pretty good. Um, yeah, Woodland was a great finish, although man, he really burned me on Sunday showdown. Uh, I had him in my main lineup, and he had a seven footer for birdie three putted it to lose the birdie for bogey free bonus. Um, also, you know, lost points there. So um, that kind of burned me a little bit, but overall, not a great week for me. Uh, I probably should have had more exposure to Straka. You know, I had a top 20 on him and he was uh, one of my last guys that was out of the player pool. Cause I only built four lineups. So um, didn't end up even getting any, any money back really other than the top 20. I had him in one. I only did three lineups last week, uh, and uh, and I had him in one. So that lineup ended up cashing, uh, and it was a five of six with Sungjae as the most expensive oh. golfer. So that was uh, that was the mistake for me. I played Sungjae. I played uh, uh, played Oosthuizen, and I didn't play Berger, and uh, that was kind of the 
uh, although Berger, you know, kind of faded on, on Sunday, obviously uh, a lot of the, the top end salary guys uh, struggled. It was a strange leaderboard. So, um, you know, Berger in fourth place, obviously is better than Ustazen and, and Sungjae missing the cut, but uh, impressive finish there from Straka. I figured if anybody would chase Berger down, it would be Lowry and he played well on, uh, on Sunday also, but uh, it was uh, Straka that ended up pulling it out and uh, just an impressive performance. I mean, Straka even lost strokes putting on Sunday, uh, but yet he uh, still made six birdies, only missed one fairway, only missed like two greens. And uh, so certainly deserving of the, uh, the victory there with his 66 on Sunday. And once again, you know, we talk about a course where uh, not a lot of guys get to double digits under par and Straka was the only one to finish there. So uh, finally got a week where the uh, the course played difficult as expected. Uh, we saw, you know, the cut line come in at two over par. So uh, there was uh, there was some carnage out there, which was a little refreshing to see after a lot of birdie fest to uh, to start the year. So a lot of big name players, though, missed the cut. Um, you know, Ustazen played uh, and to be fair, he ended up finishing 30th uh, after a dreadful first round, had a really good Friday to to make the cut. But uh, you saw Neiman end up missing the cut by a stroke. Fleetwood missed the cut by a stroke. Uh, Sungjae missed the cut by a couple strokes. So there were some big names that uh, that did not make the weekend last week. Um, other takeaways from the event uh, for you? Yeah, I mean, Louis was so bad that I ended up unstarring him um, after Thursday's <laughs> round, thinking he had no shot, um, and then checked back Friday, and he, he made it. But unfortunately, you know, Tommy was on my main lineup, so uh, those two kind of went the opposite way. But yeah, what a strange Sunday. Um, Berger had a five-shot lead, and he gave it up in like three holes. I think they were tied after the first couple holes. And then uh, it was kind of looking like a two-man race the entire time. Uh, and then we just see Straka put together that really strong back nine. And uh, I don't know if you saw the, the quotes from Lowry, but uh, a little bit of sour grapes on his end. Uh, he said the tournament was stolen away from him and that, uh, you know, if he would have if it wouldn't have been raining, he would have been right where Straka was on his drive on 18. But I mean, Straka hit it like 3:30, the best drive of the week on the uh, of all four days of anyone. Um, and Lowry's out there saying he would have that's where he would have been if uh, it wouldn't have been raining. So, I mean, it was a little unfortunate. You know, you got uh, 71 holes of perfect golf, um, and every other golfer in the field, you know, finished their round without any rain, and then all of a sudden, just a, a complete downpour. So, I don't know. Um, he just he needed to make one or two more birdies down the stretch. So you can't really uh, can't really claim that uh, it was stolen from him. But big props to Straka. I know a couple of the guys in the industry had him um, as an outright at like one forty to one. So uh, yeah, props to anyone that uh, hit that outright. I mean, Straka's drive was fifty five yards further than any of Lowry's <laughs> drives the other three days uh, that were in the fairway. Now, to be fair, he might have clubbed down, but who knows. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, surprising sour grapes from Lowry. Wouldn't have expected that from him, but uh, I did see that quote after the tournament. Uh, Keith Mitchell, another top 10. Uh, I faded uh, him again last week, and uh, you know, I used to, used to play Keith Mitchell all the time, so I'm regretting kind of missing out on his surge here. Uh, even gained three strokes with the putter on uh, Sunday, and he's always played better in Florida. So nice to see Keith Mitchell uh, coming on strong, but that uh, $9,100 price tag or whatever it was last week uh, just scared me a little bit too much. But uh, you look at the rest of that leaderboard, like everybody from like tied ninth to 16th, you got guys like Brian Stewart and John Hunt and Lee Hodges, Sam Ryder, Adam Svensson, Mark Hubbard, 
Cameron Young had a good Sunday to, to kind of sneak inside the top 20 there, but not a lot of big names. And, uh, you know, it was a, it was a weak field, but uh, just, a, just a weird event, I guess, uh, all told. So anything else uh, takeaways for you? Uh, Keith Mitchell, did you see him uh, playing the Ricky Fowler role there at the end? Uh, you know, he was out there cheering on Seb Straka. So I thought that was kind of cool. He was out there in the rain, just soaking wet, uh, cheering on his dude. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, seems like a nice fella. And uh, obviously happy to, to see Straka get the win there. And uh, yeah, lots of people in the community uh, had good weeks uh, with him last week and uh, some some big outright bets as well. So let's see if we can carry that momentum into uh, this week with the Arnold Palmer, Arnold Palmer Invitational. Um, another kind of difficult course on tap with Bay Hill hosting this event and uh, projected to be fairly breezy again this week in Florida. So uh, we could see some uh, difficult scoring conditions again this week. I think the winning score a couple of years ago here was uh, was only four under. So uh, that was a week where there was really heavy winds, but uh, another event that uh, generally plays pretty difficult with the only change being that we've only got 120 golfers in the field this week instead of the usual, you know, 144 or 156. So uh, general thoughts on uh, Bay Hill, the golf course this week. Yeah, I love this week. Love the golf course. Only 120 golfers in the field. So you're going to have a higher percentage of the field make the cut. And, uh, you know, it's a very strong field, but it's pretty weak at the bottom. It is an invitational. So um, you're going to see a lot of different, you know, names that are at the bottom. They get in uh, for random reasons, but um, the course itself, par 72, I think it's the only par 72 in Florida that they play every single year, 7,466 yards. So uh, the longest course that you're going to see in Florida as well. And uh, pretty sticky course history. Um, I was looking at the, the course fit tool on, on data golf and they have it as the fourth most uh, predictive course history year in and year out. Um, all the par fives are reachable um, with a pretty good drive. And you just can't really have any weaknesses here. Um, you don't have to be long off the tee, but if you're not, you definitely want to be good with your long irons. You're going to see about 30% of approach shots be hit from at least 200 yards. Uh, they did redesign the course a couple of years ago. They took out a bunch of trees. They widened the fairways. So the fairways here are pretty wide, but they did end up cutting down the rough in front of uh, a lot of the hazards. So um, definitely a risk-reward type of course off the tee. And then... Yeah, the wind, uh, like you mentioned, can play a big factor here. It doesn't look like it's going to be uh, too big of an issue on Thursday and Friday, but uh, Saturday and Sunday look kind of tough. So um, they're definitely going to see a lot of guys go backwards. And just like every other Florida course, I mean, there's a lot of water in place. So you're going to see a lot of movement on the leaderboards from day to day. So uh, don't be uh, counting your chickens before they hatch when it comes to making the cut. And uh, don't rule anybody out either. Yeah, the full Keegan approach is very possible. The old, uh, you know, 66 followed by an 80 or something like that. Could see that from somebody here this week uh, with uh, with the trouble that exists on this golf course. And I, I was looking through last year's numbers. The par fives totaled an average of 1.2 strokes under par per round. And the par threes and par fours averaged 2.2 or 2.3 strokes over par per round. Uh, so basically, you're just trying to hang on on those other holes and score on the par fives. Um, which I'll check in at uh, at 590 yards or less on the scorecard. Uh, course number six can generally play a little longer depending on the angle that uh, you take around the water there. But uh, with Bryson withdrawing, we're we're not going to have anybody trying to to drive the green on uh, on six this year. So 
Um, uh, just uh, the fact remains that the, the par fives are, are the scorable holes on, uh, on this golf course. So uh, anything else about the course before we dig in? Uh, not really. Although I did find it interesting that um, on data golf, they have, you know, around the green is uh, not very important this week, even though the greens here are tough to hit. And even though scrambling isn't particularly easy here. So uh, I just found that uh, a little bit interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. I, I guess, you know, it's just one of those things where everything is important here. So uh, something ends up getting the, the yeah. short end of the stick, but uh, uh, going to have to, uh, uh, try to, to, to keep everything throughout the bag steady uh, in order to succeed here with the, the big numbers lurking. So, all right, let's talk about the top range. We've got our usual five golfers above 10K on DraftKings. Uh, with Bryson being out of the mix now, we've got Rom and McElroy, uh, and then Hovland, Scheffler, and Matsuyama are your five options above 10K. And it seems like it's a pretty clear one-two split between Rom and, and Rory at the top above the other three. So, uh, this is a course that obviously Rory loves to play. You look at the last five editions of this event, Rory's gained 56 strokes on field average. Um, and, you know, Rom just continues to kick out solid finishes, though we haven't seen that, uh, you know, top five upside as much as maybe what everybody was was pegging back in January. So, uh, but both of them, 20% plus, you think you need to start your, uh, you know, even if it's a single lineup, you got to start with one of those two at the top. And if two, if so, which one of the two do you like better? Still debating on if I want to do uh, one of the guys up here with like a 7K golfer or two uh, golfers in the 9K range for my main lineup. But if I am picking one, it's going to be Rory. And I think we're on the same page there. I saw you tagged him up on lineup HQ. I mean, it's hard not to like him. You mentioned the course history, five straight top tens here. He won in 2018 and uh, eight straight top 20s worldwide. So you know, we talk about, you know, Rom having a really high floor. So does Rory right now. And I found this really interesting. Over the last six months, he's number one in the field in strokes game putting. I never thought that would be the case when it came to, to Rory McIlroy. So I actually think it's a positive that Bryson isn't here. You know, he talked last year at this event where he got caught up into the, the Bryson, you know, uh, media sensation where he, you know, drove it almost on the green. And Rory tried to do it too, and he hit in the water and then uh, kind of took him out of contention last year. So I think it's good that Bryson's not here. Um, Rory's definitely my favorite play up here. Uh, the fact that Rom's never played here before worries me, but man, Faden Rom just definitely feels scary. It kind of seems like everyone's kind of just not talking about him this week. So I'm interested to see what his ownership actually ends up being. Yeah. It, one of those things that everybody thinks it's going to be low and then they'll, yeah. you know, they'll talk people into playing him and then he'll end up, uh, you know, right around where he usually is. But I, I do think it'll be a pretty even split between the two of them. And if that's the case, um, you know, I, I got to go with the history and, and the fact that uh, that Rory loves playing here. So I like them both, uh, but uh, prefer Rory myself as well, uh, if choosing between the two. Um, and you mentioned it, either starting with one of them or going with two guys in the 9K range. And it's just so that, you know, the, the salary structure makes it to where, you know, Hovland and Scheffler and Matsuyama are just tough to make a case for because you'd rather either go up for one of the top two or, or dip down into the nine K range. Um, you know, Hovland's game on and around the greens. I guess if you think that doesn't matter, you know, maybe that's okay. But in such a strong field, you, you, you probably got to make some concessions somewhere. So tough for me to get to Hovland and, 
like I don't have any problem with these guys. I just think that uh, if I'm going down below Rom and Rory, I, I think you're getting similar win equity with uh, some of the 9K golfers. So that leads me to not much Hovland, Scheffler, and Matsuyama almost just out of reasoning than it does that I specifically don't like any of them, if that makes sense. I don't know. Where do you stand on those three guys? Yeah, I agree. And I believe it was Hovland uh, a few years ago. I had a quote about how he didn't really love the setup for all the Florida courses. We don't see him play a lot of the events here. And uh, I mean, he's played here three times. T40 is his best finish, which is very strange for Hovland. So kind of with you on that one. Uh, this does seem like a Scheffler course. I just don't want to pay the price for him. It feels like you know, this is the most expensive he's going to be in a field like this um, ever, maybe. And then Hideki, just uh, mediocre course history. So I'm right there with you. I like Rory a lot. And uh, everyone else above 10K, I'm just not itching to play. Yeah, all right. we're in the same boat there. Um, uh, and then, you know, because that 9K range uh, is so strong and uh, so we can kind of pivot there now. If you're looking to chat along with us during the show, uh, we are in the free Roto Grinders Discord channel. So you can go or Discord uh, server. So you can go to rotogrinders.com backslash Discord, or you can access it from the drop down menu on the uh, Roto Grinders homepage. But rotogrinders.com backslash Discord. You do not have to be a premium subscriber uh, to get access to the uh, that uh, chat that we are in for this show, which is the live stream chat channel. So uh, if you want to chat along with us during the show, we had some good conversation in the uh, channel last week. So live stream chat channel on the Roto Grinders Discord, rotogrinders.com backslash Discord. And we can take some of your questions and, uh, and chat along with you during the show. So uh, check us out there. All right, let's dig into the 9K range. Uh, you've got Sung Jay fresh off a disappointment last week as the most expensive golfer on the board, but he's a little cheaper this week. Uh, you've got Zalatoris, who has proven his worth on these harder courses. Uh, Hatton has done that in the past as well. Uh, Fitzpatrick would have been chalk a couple weeks ago if not for uh, an illness that kept him out. And then you've got uh, Leishman with a strong track record of success at this course and a pretty good start to the year. So uh, lots of intriguing options above 9K, which is why I said, you know, I just prefer going here uh, than getting the 10K guys. And you got Adam Scott, another Aussie at 9,000 as well. So uh, how do you kind of power rank your top couple guys in that range? So on the surface, I mean, I like all six uh, golfers in this range. I think you can um, feel comfortable playing pretty much any of them. Um, at the very top, Sungjae seems like a good bounce back week. He did miss the cut last week, but he did gain strokes to your green. It was just two bad rounds of putting, and uh, we can certainly forgive a golfer for that. Great course history, great history in Florida. Uh, my favorite's going to be Fitzpatrick. It kind of seems like everything's aligning for him right now. He loves hard courses. He's been in great form, um, and he's got three straight top tens here. So um, Fitzpatrick's probably my favorite, but uh, you mentioned Zalatoris. Loves difficult courses as well. Uh, T10 here in his debut. And, uh, man, just the irons have been great. He hits a ton of greens. He rarely makes bogeys. Um, he's just perfect for this type of course. So uh, I like those three probably the most, but certainly no issue with Scott. Um, he rates out as the most strokes game per round in Florida of anyone in the field. Uh, Leishman's been playing great. I wrote him up as a conviction play. He's got a win here. His ball striking has been really good as well. Um, yeah, I mean, Haddon's kind of the odd man out for me, but certainly nothing against him. Yeah, I'm I'm a little worried about Fitzpatrick, just relatively speaking, just because of the 
you know, the illness and he definitely wasn't feeling well for a few days, but uh, again, splitting hair is more than anything, but uh, Zalatoris and Leishman are my two favorites in here. I uh, got a bet on Leishman to win. He's like 35 to one, I think in a couple spots, he's like 50 to one as first round leader. So, um, you know, a good form, good course history and a good player in the wind, uh, especially when we get to the weekend when you're probably going to see, you know, par as a really strong score. Uh, I think everything is aligning for for it to be a Leishman week. So uh, I don't uh, tout him all that often, but I, I think this is a really good setup for, for Leishman given the way he's been playing and the way he has played here and the weather conditions. So uh, give me Leishman, Zalatoris, always on harder tracks as my two favorites. Um, anything else in that range that uh, catches your eye? No, but uh, we're pretty much on the same page with everyone so far. So uh, it could be a good or bad week for both of us. <laughs> we're both due. So it, uh, it's going to be, going to be a good week. So, all right. Uh, Hatton, I don't mind Hatton and GPPs, uh, but it uh, doesn't feel quite as strong as some of those other options, but he will be the lowest owned of the group. So um, no qualms about playing him if you're looking to do that to, to be a little bit different. Um, Andromedus in the chat saying he likes a ducky and uh, Rory for 10K plus. So, all right, let us go into the 8K range now, which I think is really interesting because uh, you've got some guys that have maybe fallen on a little bit harder times lately. Sam Burns has struggled a bit of late. Gooch was pretty rough his last time out. Um, and then you've got kind of the steady guys like uh, Casey and, and Homa and Horschel's been playing well, um, which is going to start to spread out ownership. Like right now we've got Horschel at 14%. We've got Homa at 14%. We've got Gooch and Kokrak at 10. We've got Casey at 15. Um, so uh, interesting kind of dispersion of ownership in the kind of mid to upper 8k range um anything standing out for you in there uh mid to upper 8k is nothing that i love uh i think horse was interesting though um for three months he was just relying on his short game he was chipping everything in uh, we've talked about it a lot on this show and uh, the last two weeks the ball striking has been on fire uh, he gained 4.7 strokes at in phoenix and then 9.3 strokes ball striking last week we know he loves Florida, uh, being a Gator. So I think he's interesting. Going to be off of Burns. He's missed three straight cuts in a row. Hasn't been very good here. Probably going to be off of Homa. I know he's playing great. Got the good course history, but he does feel a little overpriced. Maybe he's the, the Keith Mitchell of last week, and I should probably just, you know, play the guy in good form that likes the course. So maybe I'll come around on him. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Gooch and Henley seem very safe. And then, you know, Kokrak's kind of the perfect fit for the course, and he's got a pretty good course history. But the guy that's number five in my model overall, Paul Casey, I play him anytime he's in these hard events or these strong fields. He just seems a little underpriced. He's one of the better guys in the field when it comes to uh, approach shots from at least 200 yards. Um, he's got a good course history here. He's won twice in Florida. So give me all the Paul Casey this week. Yeah, he just keeps on playing well. We don't see him on the PGA Tour as much these days, but, uh, you know, he just keeps on cranking out top finishes. I did not realize he's 44 years old. I I know he's been around a while, but uh, I wouldn't have pegged him to be 44. I'd have maybe pegged him closer to 40 than, than 45, but uh, I don't know. We all get older, I guess. It's, uh, I can't <laughs> slow it down. But anyway, Paul Casey's 44. Doesn't, doesn't impact his uh, – I'm not trying to be an ageist here. Doesn't affect, affect his uh, – viability here i was just surprised when i saw that yesterday um and he is uh, is my favorite in that uh, kind of 
mid 8k range as well wrote him up this week so another guy that we are on the same page with um i don't have a lot of strong takes on the other guys in the 8.5 to to 9k range um henley and coke rack i think are fine i I almost never play homo when he's chalk but I, i got nothing against him either so um Gooch, I'm probably off this week. It just feels a little too volatile with the way he's been playing and got to cut somebody out in there. So uh, Gooch is is probably out for me at 8,600. Uh, you mentioned possibly uh, the last week's Keith Mitchell. What about this week's Keith Mitchell? So what do we do? Like, this is one of those scenarios, like Keith Mitchell was my guy for like a year, and now I've missed the boat on his like three straight top 12s or whatever it is. And now he's got two top tens at this course. He's always tended to play better in Florida. He's like a thousand dollars cheaper this week than he was last week. So now what do we do with Keith Mitchell? Now what? Yeah. Whatever decision we make is going to be the wrong one. Um, I'll take the over on 17% ownership. I think he's going to be so popular, but uh, man, it's hard not to like him. I don't know the the price. I wish he was more expensive. So I felt better about fading him. (laughs) he's the new shameless power uh i don't know what to do mitchell is the one guy i I have no idea like the way he's playing and maybe i just bet him just bet him and not play him in dfs i don't know i think he's uh 45 on DraftKings to bet i don't hate him as a bet um i just don't know what to do with him i'm mad at myself that i missed the boat and i'm (laughs) mad at myself that i kind of poked fun at him being 9100 last week uh, and this is what I get. So uh, the golf gods have spoken, but uh, okay. So if you're if pivoting away from him due to ownership, which I agree might end up being a little bit over the number that we've got, then who around him looks as good for tournaments? Well, uh, Gregorius the wise in our chat uh, says, is Mitchell going to be three times ownership of Tringali? And I, I do think he's going to be that high owned and, uh, the problem with Tringali, um, his trend makes no sense whatsoever, and it's just random. But um, he's going miscut and then top 15 in like nine straight events, and uh, he's on on course for another miscut, I guess. Well, that settles that debate then. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I like Tringali. He's played well uh, last year here. He played well at the players uh, last year as well. And we know the upside's there, so uh, he's not going to win, but um, – I think he's interesting. If you ignore the the random trend that he's on, I think he's a pretty good pivot. Yeah, I don't mind that uh, as well, especially at four or five percent ownership. There's a lot of intriguing guys like you know Fleetwood coming off that disappointing fade on Friday to miss the cut. Um, you know, I'm going back to the Gary Woodland well after that the one that uh, finally worked out when I uh, hopped on. So he's in my good graces. So we got to go back to some Woodland at seven percent. At seventy eight hundred. So when's the last time he put two good tournaments together? I'm I'm just curious. I'm not. Uh, uh, saying I was going to say. Him. I mean, it had been a long time since he had put one good tournament <laughs> together. So it's certainly been longer since he's put two. Um, All right. So last fourteenth and then miscut. Eleventh and miscut. Ninth and miscut. But I mean, that's just what he's been lately. Because because I'm tempted to play him too. Yeah. Not not a, not just his recent finishes, but anytime he's finished high. Oh, I was gonna say as recent finishes before last week were cut 39th, cut, yeah. cut, cut. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it had been uh it had been pretty ugly. Um I'm tempted, but he's so volatile, it's crazy. It looks like May of last year he had a stretch of fifth, 38th, and 14th. Um 
otherwise we're going back we're going back in the uh deep in the archives the last truly successful stretch was a third fifth seventh stretch in october of 2019 so uh, we're talking two and a half years but uh i I mean it was just so bad for a year that and he's always been streaky I, i don't know i'm just i threw it out last week and it worked so i've got a He's at least earned the right to uh, to at least uh, to, to to have me try again and see what happens with the uh, with the momentum. So um, I can um, understand if he didn't play him last <laughs> week why you wouldn't want to play him this week. But uh, he's cheaper than he was last week and uh, got to differentiate those lineups in, somewhere. So I'll uh, I'll go back to uh, to Woodland at seventy eight hundred. Uh, who else are you looking at in that uh, upper end of the seven K range? Yeah, that was a great call by you last week. Uh, I'm tempted to go back to Fleetwood. I mean, one bad round. I know his ball striking numbers were pretty ugly in those two rounds last week, but he's got a good course history here too. Loves Florida. Um, His price is, what, 2,500 cheaper, and he's only going to be 5% uh, when we have him right now. So, I mean, it's hard not to go back there. If you played Woodland last week, high ownership, high price, it makes sense to go back. I don't mind that. You know, I'm going to play some Jason Day. I have a Jason Day problem. Um, it's been working out for me recently. He's won here before. Um, so, so I don't mind uh, looking at him. And then uh, Bazudenhout has a really good record here as well. Um, good with the long iron. So he's not a long hitter off the tee, but he has now made 34 of 36 cuts uh, worldwide. Um, this is a guy that you can count on each week. And Above 7,500, the only other guys I would look to, Luke List and Chris Kirk. Uh, interesting, at least. Uh, I had a point there, and then I completely lost it. Uh, <laughs> in the, uh, <laughs> that range. I was. Oh, this is the tournament that Jason Day uh, infamously uh, uh, withdrew and then went to Disney World uh, way back. <laughs> He did it two years in a row, not the Disneyland part, but withdrew two years in a row. That's probably been so long. Time goes so fast. What was that? Maybe uh, 2015 or something like that. It's probably so, no, so he withdrew 2020 and 2019. So, I mean, I guess oh, it, all right. been, it, hasn't been, it hasn't been that long yet. All right. I get... It could have been 2015 too. You never know. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the epitome of the guy. If, if he hasn't burned you lately and you've played him some. I'll play some Jason Day. The Day versus Woodland uh, heads-up battle would be uh, would be an interesting one uh, just because they're both so hit or miss. But uh, Bazudenhout, I do agree, is probably your, your safe uh, selection in here at uh, 7,700. I definitely have him in my GPP pool. Um, then we go down to you know guys that have shown flashes over the last uh, couple of months. Seamus Power had his run. Cameron Young, another strong finish last week uh, with the Sunday round. Uh, Kirk and List, who you just mentioned, uh, have had some upside lately too. Um, Matthew Wolf has not with his uh, 11 over par round or whatever it was last week, but uh, certainly guys in there that you can sprinkle in. And uh, you know, what do you make of uh, what do you make of the surge from uh, from Young? Like, is he is he that legit? I mean, he seems like it. I just have missed out thus far, and I just man, I don't feel great about playing you know younger golfers that have never played an event, especially that you know, where course history matters. So I'll probably be off him again and uh, I'm sure he'll play well. What are you doing? Yeah, I think I'm off him as well. Um, I like Kevin now this week at 7,400. So I'll play him instead. And I haven't played nine forever. Um, You got to sell me on that one. uh, 
I mean, he's just cheap. It's seventy four hundred. Like you got guys like Reed, who's awful now, and Wolf, who's awful now, and I mean, you look at the numbers over the last like fifty rounds. He's seventeenth in total strokes gained, and he's seventy four hundred dollars. Um, I, I I don't know. He's just he hasn't played much lately. Should be rested and ready to go. We shouldn't have the withdrawal risk, and he plays here uh, seemingly every year. So, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I can't have you talk me off of him because it's so easy to talk me off of Kevin now that, uh, I just say, okay, I'm not going to play him then, but, uh, yeah, Luch has well, him tagged and TJ has him tagged and I have him tagged. So I guess the Kevin not thing, it's a thing this week. Yeah. So honestly, the model doesn't hate him. And, uh, I was just worried about his course history, but when I went back and looked before the last five years, he had a sixth, the 14th, the fourth, the second and 11th. So, yeah, he's got the he's got the course history to boot. So um I take it back. I like the not pick. He's gonna do for a withdrawal now. Uh <laughs> and part of that is also because I don't like a whole lot else um in like that uh, even though that 7200 7300 7400 range has a lot of names. Um I, I just didn't pick out a whole lot of guys that you had to have in there. I mean, I think Keegan's okay. I think Poulter's okay, but like Nobody ever plays Kevin now. We've got him at 5% and he never ends up in the double digits. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll play a little Kevin now. Who are you liking in the lower part of the seven Ks? So I ruined uh, Jason Duffner's cut streak at the Honda. So I might as well do it to Poulter. He's made 11 straight cuts here. Um, and they've all been top 41s or better. Um, so I like Poulter a little bit. And then I like Lucas Glover. His long irons are really good. Um, he is second in this field in proximity from, 200 plus, uh, which I think is pretty interesting. And he's got some good finishes here as well. He's going to lose 10 strokes putting because that's what he does. But I think he's interesting. And then uh, Lonto Griffin, I mean, he just rates out by far as the best value for me. He's been playing some good golf. He's got four straight top, five straight top 40s, two of two here, 221 last year, really good Bermuda putter. So he's going to be by far my favorite value play this week. Yeah, I like that call. Uh, I think uh, at that salary, pretty nice value there. And you can uh, mix and match some guys down here in your GPP pool and and feel okay about them. It's a pretty deep, a pretty deep field. It gets somewhat weak in the six Ks, as Noto mentioned with the invitational format. There's some, uh, you know, there's some names at the bottom that uh, maybe you feel a little bit uncomfortable about. But uh, in the lower part of the the seven K range, you can you can get some nice values to help round out your lineups and if you're using a you know one of the rory or rom at the top uh maybe you you know you take maybe two of these guys to help uh, round out your your lineup so um gregorius the wise is asking if there's too much water on this course for evr yes and uh somebody else brought up wolf um yeah those are two fades for me yeah wolf no thanks after uh on difficult courses with uh with his form Definitely not uh, for Wolf. The one guy I think is interesting this week, like the the guy that gained steam last week all the way from Monday through like Wednesday night was Lee Westwood. And all of a sudden everybody was playing Lee Westwood. And he, I mean, he was playing well, but he struggled on Sunday, I think three over on Sunday. And that dropped him from, you know, kind of in the mix to for a top 15 to 40th or some nondescript finish that nobody really, you know, ended up talking about uh, but it's another one of those situations that we talk about a lot where if lee westwood would have finished in 10th place last week everybody would be playing him again you know you talk about a similar type of course 
he had the course history last last week. He doesn't have quite as much here, but he did finish second here last year. So, uh, and we've got Lee Westwood at three percent. So nothing has really changed. Lee Westwood isn't a worse golfer than he was when he teed it up seven days ago, or when he teed it up on Sunday and had one bad round. So, uh, and I didn't play him last week. So three percent. Now I'll play some Westwood here. I mean, what's all that different from this week compared to last about him? Yep, uh, I'm always on board with Westwood at difficult courses because his putting isn't as bad when um, you have to be a good ball striker. So I like that call. And then there's three interesting plays at 7K. Sebastian Munoz has gained 16 strokes ball striking in his last two events alone. So if he can keep that up, I think he's interesting. And then uh, Thomas Peters, everyone was rushing to play him, you know, a couple of weeks ago at Genesis. And now, you know, he's much cheaper and I, we have him at 8% right now, but I doubt he's going to get that high. So I think he's interesting. And then Tigala, I mean, he's been playing some great golf. Do you have interest in any of those three? Yeah, I think Munoz is really, I, I like the calls on, on all of them, really. Um, I, I think Munoz is probably the safest and, uh, you know, Peters and Tagala are probably more of the, the GPP guys. So uh, I do like those calls. And uh, that's really probably about it for me at 7K. I don't really like any of the other names around there. Um, I think we're both on Ortiz a little bit at 6,900 yeah. as well. So, uh, you know, the field thins out once you get to the bottom part of that 6K range. So I'm with you on Ortiz. Yeah, man, he's been uh, pretty steady. Um, he's long off the tee. His irons have been really good, um, especially the long irons. He's top 20 in proximity from 200 plus, pretty much any timeline that you want to look at. And uh, he's 18th in the field in strokes game putting on Bermuda. So kind of checks all the boxes for me. His biggest weakness is around the green. And like I mentioned, uh, it doesn't seem like that's a huge you know, emphasis at this course in particular. So I do like uh, Ortiz and since I do, I'm sure this will be the Aaron Wise week. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably off of him. And I've played Aaron Wise quite a bit, and I've played Streelman quite a bit over the last few months, and uh, I think I'm off of that. Um, Andromeda says he, he always gets Munoz wrong, and it looks like he's going to be chalky. Munoz is another guy I haven't got right a whole lot, though uh, Though I haven't played him uh, a ton. But uh, it does seem like one of those guys, sometimes when he starts to get chalky is when he starts struggling again. But um speaking of Svensson was a guy that I played for the longest time I finally got annoyed and, and jumped off the ship and now he's had I think he finished in the 40s at Pebble uh but still had like 23 birdies that week and then a top 10 last week so uh Svensson at 6700 I suppose I'll probably hop back in at the wrong time but um he's actually like plus 360 or something on DraftKings for top Canadian and there's only four Canadians in the field so um, he's got to beat Connors and Nick Taylor and, and Pendrith. So uh, don't mind Svensson on that uh, bet on, uh, on DraftKings, but I might play him a little bit in DFS as well. Anybody else you're looking at as a value play? Looks like we've got some ownership on uh, Higo after last week. Yeah, I mean, not a ton. I think uh, I, I don't mind Pendrith down there. He is a bomber um, and he looked really good with the irons his last time out. Other than that, uh, I think Matt Wallace is interesting. I do think he'll be, you know, become the the most popular play below 6,500, but he's been really good in the here in the past, the 6th, the 24th, and the 18th. Uh, so he loves Florida, loves this course, and 6,400 is kind of hard to, to argue with, especially with uh, so many golfers making the cut uh, this week. 
What's his, his recent form isn't great, is it? I looked at it last night. Yeah, he had a 35th and then back-to-back missed cuts. Still pretty small sample size there. Um, Gregorius is asking in the chat, any interest in going back to Straka? We never play guys off a win, and <laughs> Straka is definitely the, 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 the uh, 150-to-1 winner. He's only got 1% ownership this week, so nobody uh, nobody wants to play him. Pure speculation on my part. He looks like a guy that, that likes the party. So uh, <laughs> I think he's going to be living it up. I mean, I would. I don't know. Um, we've seen, I mean, Luke Liss just won, you know, a few weeks ago, and then he barely made the cut and then missed the cut his last two events. So I don't know. These guys that have just been grinding for so long, when they get that first win, I'm just, I'm just off of them. So I, I like the guy, but uh, not for me. And I am finally off of Doug Gim this week uh i've had enough of uh doug gim for a while so uh in such a strong field with plenty of good value options uh we don't need any doug gim i've been waiting for that for about 20 minutes um gregorius (laughs) the wise chimed in with doug gim he was waiting for it uh but uh even at 6300 i I don't think there's a need for gim this week so we're gonna see other people uh, at least for this week and and see how it goes so if you want to do that uh cue up the the top 10 but uh I don't know. I know this feels like this is the most alignment we've had on a player pool in quite some time. I'm not really sure what that means. Yeah. Yeah. By far. Um, I don't really have anything against any of your plays and it seems like uh, kind of the same, man, there's some strange names down here. I mean, Patty Harrington, Sean O'Hare, um, just some interesting, interesting names. Not that I'm playing any of them, but yeah. Yeah. Just not necessary in this field, but I guess who knows. Uh, after uh, what we saw last week, uh, just this field's so deep that it's it's hard to see a long shot uh, long shot winner. Anybody else that uh, pops in the in the model there that uh, you didn't mention? Uh, the model likes Brendan still, but I think he's missed like eight cuts in a row. Scott Stallings, but he's been in bad form. That's about it. Charles yeah. Howe is fine. Well, we've given uh, plenty of options, I think, with the uh, smaller field this week with only 120 golfers. Uh, makes it a little easier, especially with these guys at the bottom, to to narrow that player pool down a bit despite the uh, strong field. So uh, with that, probably a good time for us to wrap it up. And a uh, reminder that next week is Players' Championship Week already uh, with the, uh, the new schedule that debuted a couple weeks ago. And uh, yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. Always fun talking golf, particularly with all the sad news surrounding baseball and the owners and the players not being able to agree on a deal uh, as a big baseball fan. That bums me out a little bit, but uh, uh, still be plenty of good content here. NBA season still going strong and, uh, and we've got the heart of the uh, spring and summer of golf ahead of us too. So plenty to look forward to uh, despite the, uh, you know, the MLB deal not getting done. Hopefully they're able to get that resolved soon and, so we can have all the uh, NBA, MLB, NHL overlap and the crazy sports calendar that we usually have in uh, in, in April. So uh, we'll wait and see on that front, but we will be back next week to talk the Players' Championship with you, same time, same place. Thanks to Steve for producing behind the scenes for us on a Tuesday night. Thanks to all of you for watching and uh, those of you who are watching us on uh, playback on YouTube afterwards. Appreciate that as well. For Noto, I'm Justin. Good luck this week, everybody, and we will see you next Tuesday.